everyone, everybody. Welcome back to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peakbacker. I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this podcast, I chat with other thru-hikers and other peakbaggers and other backpackers and other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. Well, actually, part of that was a lie because this episode is going to be a little different. And so instead of chatting with another thru-hiker or peakbacker or backpacker or other hiking nerd, On this episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to try a solo episode. Now, the reason I want to do this, well, there's a few different reasons, actually. The first one is, to be honest with you, it's just been pretty hectic, and I didn't have time to get an episode together this week. And so I thought that would make it a pretty good opportunity to experiment with this solo episode thing, because that is not the only reason, um, the fact that I couldn't get a guest or didn't have time to get a guest. Um, I have wanted to try this for a while, to be honest, because I think it could be fun. I think it could be just another way to kind of shake up the show and make it a little bit different. This is not going to turn into a solely solo (laughs) show, so you don't have to worry about that. I would still prefer to do guests probably, but I don't know. I I think it could be fun. And so with that said, before I get into it, I just want to ask you to give me some feedback about this. And you you can be honest. If you definitely prefer guests and would rather me just not do this uh let me know don't be a jerk about it please but you know i i really want like genuine feedback about this and if you like it and you have some ideas for other solo episodes i could potentially do then i would also appreciate it if you let me know about that so with that said we're not going to do a normal introduction here i'm just going to get right into it so what i want to do for this episode is to talk about a trail called the Kalalau Trail, which I'm guessing a few of you have heard of, but I'm guessing probably most of you haven't. And the only reason I say that is because I had never heard of it until very recently. But then again, I am a bit of a dumbass, and so maybe every single one of you has heard of it, and I'm just an idiot. Um, Who knows? But either way, we're going to talk about the Kalalau Trail. I'm going to explain what it is. I'm going to give you some reasons why you might want to hike it. We're going to go through the logistics. It's going to be one of those episodes where I teach you about a new trail, a lesser known trail, if you will, and try to give you a pretty good overview with all the information that you need to hear about it. Also, there is a shooting range right next to where I'm recording this episode right now. It's actually not a shooting range. It's like a state national guard, like shooting range and they're doing training right now. And so I don't know if it's coming across on the microphone. I hope it's not, but I can hear it loud and clear, (laughs) so um, I'm going to be getting shot at in this episode. Anyway, so what is the Kalalau Trail? The Kalalau Trail is one of the only places, to my knowledge anyways, that you can go backpacking in the state of Hawaii. That's right. Hawaii is a place that has a lot of mountains. Everyone knows about the beaches and stuff, and I'm sure you see some pictures of the mountains. There's a lot of mountains here, and there is a lot of hiking here. However, there's not that much backpacking. A lot of the trails, which to be clear, I haven't been to the entire state. I've only been to two of the islands, Um, but there's a lot of hiking trails, but there's just not that many backpacking trails here. A lot of the trails are short, steep, and right to the point, and there's just not that many places to backpack. The the trail culture is a lot different here, Um, but... The Kalalau Trail is one of the few places where you can backpack in Hawaii. And you should freaking do it, honestly. Um, And I'm going to hopefully convince you of that in this episode. The Kalalau Trail is on the island of Kauai, 
which is not one of the more popular islands. I mean, it's it's popular to visit still, but it's not Oahu. It's not like where Honolulu is. It's not where like most of the people live. I think there's only about 60,000 people, maybe even a little less, that live on the island of Kauai. But it was sweet, and it, def- it definitely is one of the more famous hikes in Hawaii, if not maybe the most famous hike in Hawaii. But overall, in terms of like backpacking in the United States, I don't think that many people know about it. I think it's more of like, a oh, we're going to Hawaii. What's something we should do? Oh, let's do the call-out trail. I think that's kind of more of what it is. Okay, so the call-out trail is technically 11 miles long. However, it is a out-and-back hike. So you hike to the end of it, and then there's there's no way to get out from there. So you have to hike back. So essentially, it's a 22-mile hike. And it's, like I said, it's very, it's different than a lot of, like, normal through hikes or even just backpacking on the mainland United States. And it's different in a number of ways, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But right now, just the basics, it's essentially 22 miles long. It's on the northern shore of the island of Kauai, and it's in the Napoli Wilderness Park. Essentially, it's it's state land, it's state run it's overseen by the state and all of that and so what are some of the reasons why you want to hike this trail first of all it is unreal this is coming from someone who's hiked all over the united states at this point it is unreal it's unlike anything i've ever hiked in my entire life this trail goes along the coast right so that automatically makes it way different than most things i mean i know there are some trails that go along the coast like the oregon coast trail for instance but This is totally different because it's like you're on the coast and you do kind of go down to the beaches every now and then. But a lot of the time you're on like these huge cliffs that are just like a little bit up from the coast. And in the background, there's all these mountains. It's like super mountainous there. And it's also super coastal. It's I can't even I'm not doing it justice. Obviously, I can't even describe it. It is insane. It's so cool. If just Google pictures of the Kalalau Trail and you'll see what I'm talking about, you it's I can't even describe it. I will just say scenery ten out of fucking ten on this trail, unreal, absolutely just insane. So that that's probably the number one reason to hike this trail. You're not going to be disappointed when it comes to the scenery. Another cool thing about this trail is that it can be hiked year round. Is my understanding. I mean, I hiked it in mid March. So, you know, in a lot of places, that'd still be pretty cold that time of year, especially up up where I'm from in the Northeast. But you can hike this trail year-round. I think the spring, it is a little bit wetter. And so if you are choosing what time of year, like you have all year that you could potentially go hike, maybe not the spring, but even, we, like I said, we did it in the spring. Tons of people do it in the spring, and it's still fine. So that you can basically do this trail all year. So if you're really, say you live in, you know, a lot of places other than maybe Florida or some places in like the South where you can hike in the winter um, or you live in the South and it's the middle of the summer maybe and you're just getting the itch for some backpacking but you can't do it in your local area and and you want to go to Hawaii uh, this would be a great place to go backpack Um, any time of year super unique thing about it I like that Um, another unique thing about this is, like I said, it's one of the only opportunities to backpack in the state of Hawaii, so that's kind of cool. Um, but let me skip over that one because I already talked about that a little bit. 
another really cool, unique thing about this, so it's on the coast, you can camp on a beach, which, again, there's, I'm sure there's some other places you can do that, but that's not very common, let's be honest. There's no, there's no ocean beaches you're camping on on the PCT or on the AT or, to my knowledge, on the CDT. I would be shocked if there's an ocean beach you camp on on the CDT given it's in the middle of the country. <laughs> um, <laughs> you camp on a beach, and not just any beach. You camp on Callao Beach, which is a super remote. You can only access it by the trail essentially or maybe certain times of year you can kayak in there too but it's so remote there's no infrastructure there there's no buildings there you can only access it essentially by hiking 11 miles through some pretty rugged stuff to get there and so that's just very unique how often do you get to camp on a beautiful beautiful sandy pristine ocean beach with a nice freshwater waterfall right there, along with some awesome campsites and a beautiful view of some of the craziest, steepest, ruggedest mountains that you'll ever see in your life. Another really cool thing about this trail is the waterfalls. There's So the trail itself is an out-and-back trail, but there's a couple side trails, which are also like out-and-backs you know, from the main trail, that lead to these waterfalls. There's, like I said, there actually is a, a smaller waterfall at the end of the trail at the beach itself, but then there's two side trails that go to waterfalls. I only did one of them. I did the one that was about halfway through. I honestly can't even remember what it was called, but it took, it was about half a mile off the main trail, and it took me to the craziest, hugest waterfall I've ever seen in my life. And I, again, I realize that just describing it like that probably doesn't do it justice. But I'm telling you, like, just type in on Google, call out trail waterfalls. I'm telling you, the, the scenery is unmatched on this shit. It's, it's insane. So the waterfalls are another, like, highlight of the trail. Another, you know, just great thing about it. And then, lastly, one of the, I guess, unique things about the trail, also one of the scarier things about the trail, is that a lot of it is kind of sketchy in terms of ledges. If you're afraid of heights... Do not hike this trail. I know I'm hyping it up here, but I will say if you're like legitimately, not just if they make you a little nervous or whatever, but if you're like legitimately afraid of heights, like my mom, for instance, is deathly afraid of heights, do not hike this trail. <laughs> okay, but um, if you're not too worried about heights, the, the, the ledges and the heights and kind of the thrill of it is actually pretty cool because there's some gnarly ledges on this trail. Um, and I'm not just talking like you hike you know, up to a ledge and then you hike away from it to keep going. The trail itself is on a ledge for a lot of it. Um, sometimes it's a ledge where there's like trees and stuff to block you. So it's not quite as sketchy. And then sometimes you're on a straight up rock ledge with a wall, you know, th the rock wall on one side, a tiny little spot for you to hike. And then a huge drop off that leads right down to the roaring waves of the ocean. And so it's pretty intense. Um, there's a really famous section on it called Crawler's Ledge, which is probably something you're going to learn about very um, soon after you start researching this trail. Crawler's Ledge, super intense, um, super sketchy. The actual trail itself, like the literal trail that you're walking on, is not technical on these ledgy spots. Like there's no climbing, like, you know, with your hands and, you know, climbing up stuff or going up and over obstacles. Like the trail itself is very chill, but there's just a really big penalty for any missteps because you can definitely fall off 
some of these ledges. And people have, although not that many people, um, there are some other parts of this trail that are much more dangerous, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, but the ledges are just very infamous because it just triggers that human fear of heights. Um, and there's some sketchy ledges. But if you get good weather and you're into that kind of thing, it's pretty thrilling. I won't lie. And it makes for some great photos. You just have to be very careful. Um, the ledges are definitely a unique thing about this trail and potentially a reason why some people might want to hike it or avoid it. But with that said, like I just said there a second ago, there are some there's some dangers to this trail. Um, this trail is one of the gnarliest trails I've ever done. I'm not lying about that. Uh, this trail is sketchy. People die on this trail. I don't want to say regularly, but for just a 22 mile trail, there have been a lot of instances on this trail. If you're an experienced hiker, you have nothing to worry about. You'll be just fine. If you're not an experienced hiker, I would not recommend this as a first backpacking trip. With that said, there's lots of people that do this as a first backpacking trip. In fact, one thing I actually meant to mention at the top of the episode that I forgot is that this is a little bit of a different trail because, yes, it does attract like backpacking nerds like myself, and I'm assuming you, if you're listening to the show, people who backpack on the regular, people who are into this backpacking culture, maybe like the thru-hiking culture, ultralight, all these like nerdy backpacking nerd things um it does attract those people clearly i did it i met another guy who was doing it as a shakedown for the pct but it also attracts a lot of just more general tourists like the call out trail isn't something that's just known by backpackers um it's known as one of the things to do on Kauai. it's known as one of the crazy things and fun things to do in Hawaii. And so you do get a lot of first time backpackers, maybe people who will not backpack ever again after this trail, just because they're doing it because they want to do the call out trail, not necessarily because they're, they like backpacking. If that makes sense. All that to say, I'm trying to loop it back around to some of the dangers here. Um, yeah. All that to say, just first time backpackers do hike this trail every single day most likely there's a lot of people that hike this trail um but i couldn't recommend this in good i couldn't in good conscience recommend this as a first time backpacking trail it's not a good first time backpacking trail i would not recommend even though people do it i would not recommend this for someone who doesn't have at least a little bit of backpacking experience even the more experience the better certainly um because there are some heightened risks on this trail so one of those risks is the river crossings. This is probably the biggest risk, in my opinion, having hiked it now, um, for people on this trail. There's three pretty big river crossings. And in normal weather, they're not that dangerous. In fact, I was able to rock hop them. But the thing that makes them dangerous is that these rivers flood and rise and pick up speed very very quickly faster than normal when it rains on the nepali coast and it rains a lot especially in the spring like i said um at the beginning of the episode and so what can happen and what has happened is people will cross these rivers and they'll be fine and then they'll go to want to cross back to the other side and just in a matter of you know 20 30 minutes it's swelled up so much that it's unsafe to cross and I think one of the biggest dangers about this is, and again, why I don't recommend it for first time or new backpackers is because 
it can be kind of hard to judge sometimes when a river is too swollen to cross. Sometimes it's very obvious if it's like totally raging, but because these rivers rise so fast when it rains, it can be kind of hard to judge. And so people have died. Many people have died on this trail trying to cross these rivers because they already crossed it once and it was fine, or they crossed one of the previous ones and it was fine. And, you know, it's only a couple hours later, so why wouldn't I cross the second one? And it's just too swollen and there's no bridges. And so river crossings are a danger. Be very, very careful with river crossings. Do not cross a river if you think it's too swollen. Just be safe. People get stranded on this trail because of the rivers. I do think that my understanding anyways is that they go down pretty fast too. And so when I say people get stranded, I don't mean like deathly, like dangerous situation stranded I, I just mean like they'll cross a river and then they won't be able to cross back and they might have to wait like an extra day or something um, I don't think anyone's died from being stranded I think people have died from trying to cross rivers that are too dangerous so don't take that risk and people have been airlifted out on this trail before too because the rivers were just so so swollen I mean back in 2014 there was like 121 people that got stranded on this trail and had to all get airlifted out over the course of like a couple days. Everyone survived, everyone was fine, but it's pretty crazy stuff. Another danger, probably the second most dangerous thing on this trail, maybe the first most dangerous. In terms of the number of lives lost, it's probably the most dangerous, but in terms of just like mistakes that beginners, beginner backpackers might make, it's not quite as dangerous, I don't think, cuz it's more general. But anyways, um, the second danger is the beaches. And so there's two main beaches on the Kalalau Trail. Um, the first is Kalalau Beach itself at the very end of the trail. And the second one is, I have a hard time with this word, Hanakapiai Beach, I believe is how you say it. And that's only about two miles into the trail. And that beach gets a lot of day use as well, just day hikers on it, not just backpackers. But the reason these beaches are so dangerous is because... They look so nice and inviting and beautiful and chill, but they're not. The the uh, the rips, the currents, pull people out all the time, and people drown all the time on these beaches. So I would just say don't go in the water at all on these beaches. Um, they're very, very dangerous. And I'm not an expert on beaches and riptides and stuff by any stretch of the imagination, but my understanding is a lot of the time if you get pulled out by a riptide, you can kind of just ride it out and then eventually it will kind of bring you back into the shore somewhere. But on these beaches, the, the the Nepali coast is so just like rocky and cliffy and ledgy that like the beaches are pretty small and they're surrounded by just straight up cliffs. So if you get pulled out, eventually it's going to bring you back, but it's going to bring you to a cliff where there's nowhere to go. It's just a rock wall that you can't get up at all. And so... They're very, very dangerous, and it's also so remote. It's not like you can get rescued easily, and so just don't go in the water. The beaches are very dangerous. There have been a lot of people that have drowned at these beaches. And then the third danger, just a distant third, is the ledges like I talked about earlier, and it is a danger. Don't get me wrong. People have died on these ledges on this trail. It's just not – it's just – I think it's just not as dangerous as people think because – I think people get drawn into the ledges as like the main as the main danger, but then they don't think about the river crossings, which have killed a lot more people. And so, yes, the ledges are dangerous, particularly in bad weather. And so, you don't want to do a lot of these sections in bad weather if it's like really, really raining a lot. It, it rained a little bit when I went, and it honestly was kind of nerve wracking because I knew that the weather 
is what makes this trail really dangerous, but we were okay, thankfully. But like, if you get like a really big storm or if it's just actively raining, you really don't want to hike past mile six on this trail because after mile six, you start to get towards Crawler's Ledge and some of these, and it's not just like a rock ledge either. There's another part just after Crawler's Ledge that is like, uh, it's like a red red clay kind of like, kind of like dirt and it's just like a slanted hill of red clay kind of that you have to kind of walk across and it could be very very freaking slick if it's raining and so those are the conditions that you really want to be careful with on these ledges okay so those are some of the main dangers let's talk about camping if you're going to hike this trail you want to know the logistics for camping and um there's only two spots where you're allowed to camp on this trail. It is fairly heavily regulated. The first spot is about halfway through, and there's a water source there. There is just some random spots to set up your tent. There's like a little overhang with like a picnic table underneath it. Um, and there's a bathroom, like a privy as well. And then the other spot that you can camp is at mile 11, so the first one there was at around mile six, if I recall. The last one is at mile 11, which is at Callout Beach itself, which I would recommend. It's much cooler than the first campsite. I think the first campsite, the one that's halfway through, is really kind of only reserved for people who can't make it all the way to the beach, um, whether it's due to weather or just their physical condition or whatever. If you can go all the way to Callout Beach, if you can do those 11 miles, I would definitely recommend it. Once you get there, there's tons of camping. Um, it's pretty obvious where to camp. The one thing I will say is that... Actually, I'll talk about that in the gear recommendations. But yeah, I would go all the way to Call Out Beach if you can. Some of the logistics. So, because this trail is on Kauai, uh, it's it's logistically kind of difficult because you have to fly to Hawaii. I know there's some flights that go directly to Kauai, but it's not you know, one of the more popular islands. It's still pretty popular, so there's even less popular islands in Hawaii. But... Um, I don't think they have a ton of direct flights from the mainland there. I'm sure you could figure something out, but you might have to go through Honolulu to get there, which is our, and it's just it's just a long flight no matter how you slice it. And so it is difficult. And then so the the trailhead is about an hour and 15 minutes if I recall from maybe an hour from the main air, airport there, which is in the town of I think it's called Lee, Lee who or Lou, 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 Lee who I can't remember. It's L I H U E. It's a small little airport. Um, that's where most people are flying into. And so you have to get from that airport to the trail. There are some shuttle services. If you Google it, I found some quick information about that. So that's what a lot of people do. There's like a bus or something. There's also like just people who live on the island that can shuttle you for a fee. And you can also rent a car. And that's what, it, that's what me and my girlfriend did when we hiked this trail. Um, not maybe not the cheapest, but we also wanted to like spend a couple days just like around the island, not backpacking too. And so that's what we did. Um, if you do rent a car, there's limited parking at the trailhead and you have to get a permit for it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, and then the last thing you can do is you can hitchhike. I didn't do this, obviously. I didn't meet anyone who did, but I have read some accounts online. And just seeing, like, the amount of, like, tourists and, like, travelers and stuff 
in that area, I feel like, again, there's always risks to hitchhiking, but like, I feel like it would probably be possible. Don't hate me if you try to do this and you end up missing your hike because you couldn't get there in time because you tried to hitchhike and it didn't work, but I'm pretty sure you could probably do this. Um, okay, so let's talk about permits. So this is probably the biggest logistical thing. You have to have a permit to hike this trail. The permits are $35 per person per day, so it's not a cheap permit either. We stayed for for three days, two nights, and so obviously there's two of us, so the costs added up. Not the cheapest thing, but I think it was worth it just because of how unique and how beautiful this trail is. And then, like I said, you have to get a permit for parking as well, and the parking lot is pretty small. It, I don't remember exactly, but my guess is like maybe 30 or 40 cars maybe a little bit more, but 50 max, I would say probably. And you can only get a parking permit if you already have a camping permit. And so the permits are a little bit tricky to get. I booked it in like January for two people and I was able to get the two permits for March, but I've been part of this Facebook page for a little while now for the trail, which has some great info as always. Facebook pages are cringe sometimes, let's be honest, but there usually is some pretty good info if you're looking to hike a specific trail. If you're in the more general, like, I love backpacking Facebook group, then that's mostly <laughs> a bunch of BS. But um, there was some good information in the Call Out Trail Facebook group. But just, anyways, looking on there, I have noticed that a lot of people are like, oh, like, how did you get permits? Like, I'm trying to get permits for this day, but, like, they're full already. And so you do have to plan this in advance. But, like, you're also going to be flying out to Kauai, so I feel like you'd have to book that in advance anyway. So... I don't know. Maybe there's some people that just do this shit last minute, but for something this involved, I feel like, yeah, you got to plan it pretty far in advance. Yeah. And then the last logistical concern that I can think of right now is just, you have to fly with your backpacking gear, which is kind of a hassle because you're probably going to have to check a bag. Even if you're ultra light, um, you're probably still going to have to have to check a bag. Maybe not, but like things like trekking poles, tent stakes, you can't, fly with in your in your um carry-on so you have to check a bag uh, a knife like you know stuff like this so that does make it a little bit of a pain in the ass because then it's like you know if you're not renting a car it's like where do you put your checked bag when you're hiking so i don't know something it's doable for sure just something to consider logistically and then the last thing i want to talk about for this trail is some of the gear considerations because there are some unique things about this trail that you want to think about when it comes to your gear. The first thing is waterproof your gear. You should do this anyways, no matter where you are, but like this trail gets a lot of rain, especially in the spring. Like I said a few times now, but it's a, it's a wet trail, man. It's a wet trail. It's muddy waterproof your gear. Make sure you keep your essential stuff dry. Another gear consideration is that the temperatures on this trail are pretty good in terms of not needing to bring that much clothing it's a very warm trail you're going to be looking at highs in like the 80s and maybe low 90s during the day and it's humid it's a hot trail at night dude i brought my 30 degree sleeping bag just or my quilt just because that's what i have i don't really have anything less and it was way too warm so i'm thinking temperatures in like the 60s I would be surprised if you got temperatures in the 50s on this trail. 60s, maybe even hotter than that. Uh, It was hot on this trail, um, both at night and during the day. 
you could do this trail with either a hammock or a tent. There are plenty of trees to hang from at both campsites on this trail. And so either one of those things will be fine. I saw people carrying both. Um, although if you are going to take a tent, one thing to consider is that you're not setting up camp directly on the beach, but even the sites that are just in from the beach are still fairly sandy. And so the, the ground is very loose. I brought the MSR Groundhog Mini, Mini tent stakes because I was trying to go super ultra light, bro. You know it. And I think in hindsight, I would have liked some heftier stakes because the ground was just so loose. I had to reinforce the tent with um, rocks because it blew over once, <laughs> which to be fair, it was pretty fucking windy that night. But um, yeah, that's something to consider is tent stakes. And then maybe also trying to choose a site that's not going to be super windy because there were some sites that were beautiful, like overlooking the beach, but like in bad weather, you would have gotten absolutely wrecked. And so, yeah, something something to consider. Sandy ground, tent stakes. You definitely want to choose some good tent stakes. Um, another thing to consider, which for me this was kind of unique, is that this trail, it, you're it's a lot more enticing to just take a day to chill at the beach on this trail. So, like, if I were to do this trail again. What I would do is the first day I would spend just hiking into the beach. You'll probably get in. If you're a strong hiker, you'll probably get in with like some time to spare in the evening and just chill at the beach. And then the next day I would not pack up. I would just stay at the beach, honestly, and just enjoy it. And there's a side trail there that hikes up into the Callao Valley that you could hike up and, you know, just leave your stuff set up at the beach, hike up into the valley come back down and then spend the rest of the time chilling on the beach. And because of that, that that has some implications on your gear choices. You still want to go lightweight on this trail because the the cliffs are so high stake. You don't want to be tripping because you have a heavy pack and stuff. But I would bring camp shoes for this trail, which is very rare that I would say that nowadays for a through hike, pretty much any through hike, I would say no. But for this trail, I would bring camp shoes just so that you have like some shoes, some flip-flops, just something lightweight to hike around with or walk around with on the beach for that day you spend chilling there. And then I would also consider something to help you sit on the beach. So we didn't bring towels because towels are pretty heavy. A lot of people did bring towels, but they weren't quite as lightweight-minded. Um I would bring like a small foam pad maybe, or if you have a sleeping pad, maybe bring like a a foam pad instead of an inflatable pad for this one because then you can also use it as like a something to lay on at the beach. So that's something to consider. And then also I would consider maybe bringing something to keep yourself entertained on the beach. A zip chip would be perfect for this. If you guys recall the PCT videos, you saw the zip chip. It's like this tiny little silicone frisbee and it's super lightweight. It probably only weighs like two ounces max. And so that would be perfect for this. You could bring like a full Frisbee. That'd be a little heavier, but I don't know. You could use it as a plate or some shit, make it like a double purpose item, multi-purpose. Um, I would just consider something to keep yourself entertained on the beach, but still you don't want to go like super heavy. I don't know. And then the last thing gear wise that I would really consider on this consider for this trail. And honestly, most of you probably are already going to be doing this, but Bring some damn trekking poles because it will make your life much easier when you're hiking over those cliffs. Please bring trekking poles. It'll make it easier on the water crossings. This is a trekking pole freaking trail, let me tell you. 
So that's the call out trail in a nutshell. Let me know if any of you guys have hiked this trail. And also just please give me some feedback if you're a regular listener. Give me some feedback on this solo episode. Let me know what you think. And I appreciate you listening. We'll be back with a guest next week, a normal episode. Trailtalespod at gmail.com for some feedback. Also, send me a message on Instagram at KyleHatesHiking. Let me know what you think of the solo episode. And thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>